we're glad that you're here tonight. And I thought we would start off by celebrating all that happened at Easter at this place. And so we had the largest attendance that we've ever had at an Easter service. And so in between all of our services, we had 11,247 people here and at the Southeast Campus. But here's a number that I think is even better than that one. It's just right here. 206 people were baptized. And it's so cool to see the life change that happened at this place. And not only were we packed at this campus, our Southeast campus had their largest attendance. They had 26 baptisms. Our microsite in St. George, they decided to rent out a theater and to invite their friends. And they ended up having 60 people and a baptism today, which is just a huge win for them. And so just excited about that. So let me just say this to you. I am so grateful for the hundreds of you who volunteered at our services to make Easter happen. So grateful for you and for all of you who made bold invitations to invite a friend. And if you came for the first time at Easter and then you've come back, we're just so honored that you would be here. Well, every year, Webster's Dictionary adds new words to their dictionary. And this past year, they added 840 new words. And so here are some of the actual words that they added in 2018. Here's this first one. It is hate watch. Hate watch. Now, hate watch, this is a verb, and it means to watch and take pleasure in laughing at or criticizing a disliked television show or movie. Now, some of you hate watch The Bachelor, and you do it every single week. Well, here's the second one, glamping. Glamping right here. I don't know if you've ever been camping before, but glamping is outdoor camping with the amenities and comforts such as beds, electricity, and access to indoor plumbing. And so I'm a big glamping fan. You know, not much for a camping fan for me. Um, here's this third one, unicorn. Now, this is not the mythical horse that has a single horn in the front of his head. A unicorn is a business startup that is valued at $1 billion or more. So all of us would kind of like to start a unicorn, right? We'd like that to happen. How about this one? Hangry. Hangry. Some of you are hangry right now because you are ir irritable or angry because of hunger. Hunger. Okay, this next one, again, I did not make these up. These are actual words that were added to the dictionary in 2018. Mansplain. Now, mansplain is to explain something to a woman in a condescending way that assumes she has no knowledge about that topic. Now, I'm pretty sure that in 2019 they need to add womansplain into the dictionary. And then here's this last one, dumpster fire. Dumpster fire. It's an utterly calamitous or mismanaged situation or occurrence. A disaster. And so my hope is that this message is not a dumpster fire. But we'll find out by the end of tonight. Well, as we kick off this new series, I want to introduce you to another new word. It's this word right here. It's majnik. Majnik. So I want you to say this out loud with me. Let's say this together. Majnik. Majnik. Well, you've probably discovered by now that majnik is simply the backwards form of kingdom. It's the backwards form of kingdom. Now, when you hear the word kingdom, there are certain things that come to your mind. 
Then maybe you imagine a, a powerful king who lives in a castle. He has all of his warriors around him. Something like the Game of Thrones where nobody is safe from being killed off. Well, that is exactly what the people in the time of Jesus were thinking when they heard the word kingdom. Because the Roman Empire oppressed the Jewish people. And for centuries and centuries, the Jewish people paid a temple tax. They paid a tax to the temple so that it could function and keep running there in Jerusalem. But that tax didn't count when it came to the Romans. And so the Romans had these excessive tax. They, these excessive taxes to build roads, to build buildings, to feed their vast empire. If a Roman soldier wanted you to carry his gear, you would be required to stop what you were doing and to carry his gear for a mile. They did crucifixions along the main roads so that everyone could see them and they would not rebel. So for the Jewish people, when they thought about the Messiah, they thought that he would come and overthrow the Romans and set up a new kingdom. But when Jesus came, Jesus came to set up a different kind of kingdom, an upside-down, backwards kind of kingdom. The kingdom of God, it was central to Jesus' teaching and to the message of Jesus. That So many of his parables had to do with the kingdom of God. He would just tell the story. He'd say, the kingdom of God is like, and then he would just tell a story that would relate to the people. But I think you can begin to see the value of God's kingdom in the Lord's Prayer. Many of you grew up quoting the Lord's Prayer. And so I have this just in the King James Version where he says this. He says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And here's that word right here. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That when you begin to pray, your kingdom come, what you're saying is, God, would your reign, the way that you lead up there, come down here? Would your values in heaven be our values here on earth? That your will would be done here just as it is done up there. See, most of us, we've established our own little kingdom. Because your kingdom is your sphere of control. It is the place that you rule. It's the empire, if you will, that you control. And it's set up around your tastes and your likes and your purposes and your values. And everything is arranged to how you like it. So let me just be real honest with you. I'll tell you what my kingdom is. My kingdom is the remote control. If someone comes into my house and picks up the remote control, I feel out of control. Because I know they're going to turn on the TV to something that I don't want to watch. And so I just look for that opportunity to kind of take it back. You know, they, they set it down and, you know, I just grab it back. For some of you, maybe your kingdom is your kitchen. Or maybe for you it's your garage or your office. So the question is, you got any little kingdoms going on in your world? Well, that's what this series is all about. And that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God than any other subject. And he showed us how to function in God's kingdom because God's kingdom is an upside-down, backwards type of kingdom. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at this 
this kingdom idea backwards and begin to look at all of these principles that apply to us. And so in God's kingdom, in this Majnik kingdom, the M stands for this. It is more is less and less is more. You see, in our world, in the kingdoms of this earth, more is more. And I don't want to just have more. I want more than you. And if I find out that you have more than me, then I become obsessed at taking you down. Because in the earthly kingdom, it's all about you and your kingdom. Because more is more. Well, not so. Not so in this Majnik kingdom of God. Here's what Jesus says. In Luke chapter 13, again he asks, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. And Jesus, he compares the kingdom of God to yeast. And he tells the story, he tells this, this parable about this woman who has 60 pounds of flour. Now that's this huge amount of flour. But it just takes just a couple cups of yeast to affect the whole batch. And what happens is when you put yeast into the dough, it begins to expand to several times what it would be otherwise. Just a little bit of yeast, it impacts the whole thing. Now here is this idea with this Majnik kingdom where more is less and less is more. That when you begin to put your hands into the hand of God, your influence has a bigger impact because it's not all about you. When you live by God's principles, because God is, is over this up, upside down backwards kingdom, more is less and less is more. That's what God does in your life. And the second part of God's backward kingdom is others first. That's what the O stands for in Majnik. And maybe the best image of God's kingdom is just a towel and a basin of water. The night before Jesus was crucified, remember he's in the upper room with his disciples. And it is the next day that he will die and they were still arguing who, about who was the greatest. They're still arguing about it. And Jesus picks up a towel and a basin of water, and he washes his disciples' feet. Now think about this. I mean, these are guys that, you know, would sweat. You know, it's the desert out there. They would be walking through these dirty, dusty roads. And so to wash the feet was the lowest job of the lowest servant of the house. And Jesus takes on that role. I think that's what the Apostle Paul was thinking about when he writes this passage in Philippians chapter 2. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, this little phrase right here, selfish ambition, that it actually carries the idea of competitiveness to compete with. In other words, here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, in your relationships, stop competing with each other. Do nothing out of a competitive spirit, but value others above yourselves. Literally, this means that 
you act like they are more important than you. He says this, he says, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, this is hard for me. This is hard for me, and, and let me tell you why. Because I'm mostly interested in what interests me. Now, I know that this may have gone over your head, so let me just repeat this again. That I am naturally mostly interested in the things that interest me. And I'm not naturally interested in the things that don't interest me. But not in this upside-down, backwards kingdom. Because in this kingdom, others matter. That people don't power up in God's kingdom. People don't use other people in this kingdom. They honor each other above themselves. They mourn with those who mourn. And they celebrate when something good happens in another person's life. This weekend coming up, we have 160 guys that are going to Mexico to build houses. Pretty amazing. I want you to think about this because right now there are 12 homeless families in Mexico. That maybe what they have is maybe they've scavengered a tarp. Maybe they've found some plywood sitting around or maybe just some, you know, metal tin that they've kind of made a house for their family. There's 12 homeless families, and by this time next week, there will be 12 families that have a home. Because people in this upside-down kingdom of Jesus, they follow his example. And they put others first. In fact... In this kingdom, you actually descend into greatness. See, Jesus redefined what greatness was all about. Because one of the times that the disciples were arguing over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom, it's as if they said, Jesus, okay, we're okay if you're in charge. I mean, you're the Messiah. You know, we'll let you be in charge. But I want to be the second most powerful person in your kingdom. And what Jesus does is Jesus, he picks up a child. And he says, do you want to know what greatness looks like in God's kingdom? He says, it's a child. He says, in fact, unless you become humble like a child, you will never enter God's kingdom. Because in God's kingdom, greatness is not something you ascend to. It's not some ladder that you climb. Greatness is something you descend into. The Apostle Paul goes on and Philippians chapter 2, he says, and in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This means that when you get out of bed every day, you just pray, today, I'm choosing to have the same mindset as Jesus. That I am choosing to have the same attitude that he has, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. This word right here, the Greek word that we translate as very nature, is the Greek word morpha. And what it means is the essence. So this doesn't mean that Jesus was sort of like God. It doesn't mean that he had a few characteristics like God. No, he was the very essence of God. But Jesus never used the I'm God card. You know, he never went out to eat and said, you know, I need a table for 13 with an ocean view. Can we get a name for that? Yeah, I'm God. He never used the God card. 
It says, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's a buddy of mine here at the crossing that when he was in high school, his dad let him drive the pickup truck, just let him have the pickup truck, and he got to drive that to school every day. Well, it wasn't just any pickup truck. It was a black four-wheel drive pickup truck with big tires and wheels. I mean, he was the coolest guy on campus. Everybody knew his truck. Everybody thought that he was super cool. Well, his parents were separated, and they decided to get back together. And when they got back together, his mom decided that she wanted to drive the truck. And so she took the truck and instead gave him her Ford Pinto with a mermaid painted on the hood to drive to school. Talk about downscaling in your life. Jesus goes from being the creator of the world to entering creation as a baby, being raised by a teenage mom and a peasant dad. He goes from absolute power to being rejected and mocked and spit upon and beaten and stripped and humiliated and nailed to the cross. He laid down his life. He crucified his ego. And he simply asks you to apologize to your spouse. He simply asks you to pick up the phone and apologize to somebody, to forgive someone, to tell your daughter how proud you are of her. See, this is what it means to descend into greatness. And since this kingdom is this kingdom of selflessness, this is a place where the G and Majnik stands for generosity flows. When, when Jesus was describing what the kingdom of God was like, he described it like a, like a farmer who went to go spread some seed. And so Jesus tells this parable where he says this farmer went and spread some seed and some of the seed fell on the hard path and nothing grows on that path. He said some of the seed fell on the rocky soil. Some fell on the thorns. But he said some of it falls on the good soil. When it falls on the good soil, it yields a crop 30, 60, sometimes 100 times what was sown. And Jesus began to explain this parable to his disciples. He says, let me tell you what this parable means. He says, this is what happens when the, when the word falls in the thorns. He says, still others, talking about people like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Jesus said what can keep you away from God's kingdom is being consumed by the worries of this life. This is where some of you are right now. You have so many worries in your life that you can't focus on anything, that it keeps you away from God. And then he says the deceitfulness of wealth. See, this is what greed is. Greed is just thinking, if I get more, then I'll finally be happy. I need just a little bit more. And the desire for other things. Because what this says to us is, you know, what I have is not enough. I'm never content with what I have. But see, in this kingdom, generosity flows. 
It flows through us. Jesus says this in Luke 6. He says, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. And see, what happens is is when you begin to plant generosity, God trusts you with more. Because God begins to look at your life and say, if I can trust you with a little bit, I can trust you with more. Because you become this conduit to bless other people. And then this kingdom, it is not about us. In fact, here at the crossing, we talk about and we sing the song, not to us. See, in most kingdoms, people do things so that they will be recognized. You know, they give a large gift so a building will be named after them. You know, they they do good things so that they will be remembered. But that's not the way that God's kingdom works. Because God's kingdom is this not-to-us kind of place, but his name gets the glory. Here's how Jesus said this in Matthew 5. Jesus says in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, this is so powerful. This is so powerful because what Jesus is saying is I want your life to shine. I want you to live your life in such a way that people will see your good deeds and they don't say, man, he is such a good guy. Man, she is so nice. No. That when they see your good deeds, it is a light that shines back onto Jesus. That everything you do is this light shining onto Jesus. And nobody even talks about you. Because they are talking about how good God is. That this is this not-to-us kind of kingdom. And everything you do brings glory to God. Now for me, every Sunday... In the morning, I have a prayer team that comes, and they pray with me. It's what we do before the services even start. And it's one of the most important times for me as we come together in my speaker's lounge, and they just pray over me. Let me tell you what my prayer is every single week. Because there's a lot of emotions for me as, as I get up here. These emotions of just sometimes just fear. These emotions of, man, I hope this is going to go okay. I hope this is going to connect. And every single week, this is my prayer. God, would you get me out of the way? Would you get my agenda out of the way? Would you get my ego out of the way? So that this would all be just about Jesus. Because what is true for me, it's true for you. That we can let our agenda get in the way of God. But this kingdom, it is a not-to-us kind of kingdom. That this church is full of people like that. Now, when I pull up on a Sunday, and it's a really cold day or it's a really hot day, I begin to see our parking lot crew in the mornings that, that I am so grateful that they are out there being this not-to-us kind of church. That when you drop off your kids, listen, when you bring your kids here, we don't do child care. We do children's ministry because they're going to hear about Jesus. And there's going to be a volunteer who is going to love them because it's a not-to-us kind of church. 
And when I walk on the campus, someone has gone out of their way to make this campus inviting. The security team that makes sure that it's safe, that we have security that's all in this room and all around our campus every single week. A worship team that puts in hours and hours to lead you. Someone making coffee, people to pray with you. I could go on and on. So why do we do all that? Because when you have been changed by Jesus, when your whole life has been transformed by Jesus, you lift up your voice and you begin to say the words of the psalmist that he says this, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. And unlike most places that are exclusive clubs, the kingdom of God is a radically inclusive place. That's the I in Majnik. Now, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they, they wanted to create this kind of religious country club, if you will. They wanted to keep all of the undesirables out. They even labeled certain people as notorious sinners. How would you like that to be your label? You know, that guy right there, he's a notorious sinner. It's like they had these levels of sinners. But Jesus describes the kingdom of God like a wedding banquet. He tells this parable, and, and you know what it's like to be at a wedding banquet. You know that when you're at a wedding banquet, it is a place of love and laughter. It's a place of singing and dancing because everybody's out on the, the dance floor, you know, singing YMCA together or whatever it is. It's this place of great food. But in this parable that Jesus tells, he says that those who were invited didn't want to come. And so the host opens it up for everyone to come. That all are invited to this celebration, the good and the bad. The host wants everyone there. But there are some who will not RSVP. And they don't want to come. Let me just speak to some of you right now, because for some of you, you feel like you don't belong. That you have spent your entire life like you don't quite fit in. But you need to know in this upside down, backwards kind of kingdom, that through Jesus, God looks beyond your faults, God looks beyond your flaws, beyond all of your failures, and he just sees you. And let me tell you, I, for one, am extremely grateful that the kingdom of God is a radically inclusive place for a guy like me. And there's one more letter in this Majnik kingdom. And K stands for to know God's heart. Now, people in, in social media, they have this phrase that they will often use. It's just this phrase right here, hashtag blessed. Now, this is a phrase that they will usually use to brag about themselves, but to still sound humble. I got a new Ferrari. Hashtag blessed. I went to Europe in my private jet. Hashtag blessed. I just had the, the number one book on the New York Times bestseller. Hashtag blessed. See, basically, here's the deal. You can brag about anything that you want as long as you just end it with this hashtag blessed at the end. But in this upside down, Majnik kingdom, 
being blessed means something totally different. Here's what Jesus said. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are you, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. See, this is what this upside-down, backwards, modernic kind of kingdom is all about. See, it's the kingdom where, where more is less and less is more. Where others come first. Where we descend into greatness by putting on a serving towel. It's a kingdom that is not characterized by greed, but generosity flows out of us. It's a place that is a not-to-us kingdom. But we give all the glory to God. It's a kingdom where everyone is welcome. It is radically inclusive. It's a place where we know God's heart. I want to be part of a kingdom like that. I want to follow a king like that. I want to pray every day, oh, Father, may your upside down, inside out, backwards, modernic kingdom up there come down here. God, would you use me, would you use us to make that happen? Let me just push you here for a minute. Because the truth is, as long as your life is only about you, as long as it's about just your kingdom, you are going to be fighting against God. And if you are a follower of Jesus, listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have signed up for a life that is different than that. You can't keep living the old way. You've signed up to live by kingdom principles, by Jesus' upside-down kingdom. In fact, this is what Jesus tells us. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. See, this is that more is less, and less is more. And some of you, the reality is you've been trying to find your life for a long time. And Jesus says, you want to know how to find it? You give it up. You surrender it to me. And when you do that, that's when you have real life. That's when you have real life. And so maybe it's time for us just to repent. It's okay. I've got to change. There's some things I need to change in my life. Let's just pray together. And maybe for you, 
It's just being honest with God, saying, God, this is my issue. This is where I am. And I'm repenting of this right now. I'm changing. God, we thank you that Jesus came to establish a kingdom that was unlike any other kingdom that this world had ever seen. That this is the kingdom where he came and descended into greatness. And he served everyone around him. He gave up his life for us. God, we want to be part of that. God, and the truth is there's some of us here that we've been on this quest to try to find our life. And our life is only found through Jesus. That we only have true life when we give our life up to you. So God, would you do a work in us? Would you speak into us and through us? And we pray this in Jesus' name.